Hi guys, welcome back to the Bookish Feels podcast. I am your host, Sydney. And yes, you're going to hear a lot of creaking because this is a very creaky chair. But today, it's finally come to this. The Summer Palace and Other Stories. Upon request, a few of you guys wanted me to talk about it, so here I am now. And also, this is a YouTube video once again. This prequel serves as my serotonin. I have no qualms, nothing bad to say about it. I know a few people, like, think that it's eh. But honestly, it adds so much to the canon of the Captain Prince trilogy. And I often find with prequels, like, they're either useless or underwhelming. And this is definitely not boring or underwhelming for me. <laughs> but talking about this series, sorry, not this series, these short stories as a whole, first off, it was a real treat to see Damon and Laurent through the eyes of other characters and I think that's really important because all of those characters view them so differently and it adds to our own perceptions of Damon and Laurent because obviously throughout the trilogy it's just in Damon and Laurent's perspective and it's quite, um, what's the word, secluded? I don't know if that's the right word, but you get what I mean. And to make it even better, we go back to scenes from the trilogy, as well as scenes that were mentioned in the trilogy, but we never really saw them. Which again, just adds a whole other needed layer, because I find that these stories really contextualized um, one specific scene, oh no, sorry, two specific things that I initially realized on my second read in the Captive Prince trilogy that some things needed a little contextualization. So we'll get into those. Green but for a season, Jordan Amrick's story, but it also contextualizes a lot of the backstory with like the Prince's Guard and the Regent's Guard and Jordan's relationship with Laurent. With baby Laurent! <laughs> 15-year-old Laurent assembling his little ragtag team um, down from the dregs, Prince's Guard, really reminds me of Griffith and the Hawks from Berserk. Because it's like they're underdogs trying to achieve the impossible, but obviously this is Laurent de Vere. <laughs> He's pretty miraculous at times. I don't know how he does it. I may have said this in the previous podcast episodes, but... Reflecting on Aymeric for a bit, I do think he really loved Jord, even though he definitely was sent out to approach Jord and trick everyone into his betrayal, but it's just unfortunate the way things turned out. The Summer Palace, pure fluff. Just much needed fluff. <laughs> but not only that, we also revisit the past as well as the present and the events after King's Rising, which is really good because King's Rising ended so abruptly, but it really contextualizes, you're gonna hear this word over and over again, but it really contextualizes um, what happened after King's Rising. Damon being bedridden and Laurent like helping take care of him and um, monitoring the whole state of things. <laughs> Because I imagine they were in a lot of turmoil because you're gonna have Castor's supporters still there and this is like an, this is a uniting between Veer and Akiolos. So I I really doubt that 
that shit is easy to handle with. <laughs> All I care about is Laurent and Damon and that they're happy. <laughs> In regards to the fluff side of things, it's just Damon and Laurent doing cute shit. Damon showing Laurent around the palace and introducing him to his mum. The statue of his mum. And then Laurent's all like, I'll take care of your son, said Laurent. I'll protect his kingdom as if it were my own. I'll give my life for his people. I won't let him down, I promise you. Mm. Don't cry. I love how I'm like not the most emotional person, but this series makes me tear up. <laughs> but then Laurent opens up even more and says this. In all, there's a place. The statue doesn't look that much like him, but my brother is buried there. I used to go there sometimes and talk to him, talk to myself. If I was having trouble in practice or to tell him how hard I was trying to win the respect of the prince's guard. The sort of things he used to like hearing about. If you like, I'll take you there when we visit. You're telling me baby Laurent went to August's statue and talked to him? I can see all the fanfics <laughs> that have been written with this in it. Ugh. I don't I have I just know, they exist. Another thing that I really liked with the Summer Palace as well is that they bring up the difficult stuff. The stuff that can't be swept on the, under the rug. Because when you think about it realistically, it'd be really weird if they just suddenly were like, yeah, we're happy, we forget what happened. It just doesn't work like that. So I really liked that they they don't hide from their past. Then they open up about how difficult it really is on them. And Laurent also talks about Marlas in a way that's kind of really comforting, recounting the events of that day, but it's still really sad. He didn't let anyone else intervene. He thought it was fair between princes, single combat. Damon said yes. He was tired. He'd been fighting for hours, but the man he fought wasn't. It was Castro on the front at Marlas. Damianus had stayed back to protect the king. He rode from behind the lines. Yes. He was honourable, and when he drew first blood, he gave Damianus time to recover. He wouldn't let anyone else intervene. He thought... He thought it was right. He stepped back and let me pick up my sword. I didn't know what to do. It had been two years since anyone had disarmed me. When we fought again, he drove me back. I don't know why he cut too far to the left. It was the only mistake he made. I took the chance that it wasn't a feint, and when he couldn't draw himself back into position, I killed him. I killed him. But they go on and on to say, like, they're brought on to equal... What's the word? They're now on equal ground together, because now Damon knows what it's like for Laurent, having lost a brother, and the difficulties and the complexities of how different both their situations are in terms of them losing their brothers. So it's a nice little kind of hopeful, comforting reconciliation, if you will, if that's like the right word to describe it. But then you also have the baths, which is another scene from the past that is obviously very difficult for Damon and Laurent to go revisit. But now the roles are reversed because it's Laurent bathing and preparing Damon for the baths. But then you have the scars on Damon's back, which will be there forever. And Laurent says, 
Uh, Damon and Laurent are having this conversation about how Laurent knew all along who he was and whether or not he believed Damon would be able to get back to Akielos. And Laurent says, believe you'd make it back to Akielos? Yes, I did. You were a force of nature. It was infuriating to fight you. Frightening to have you on my side. Frightening? You didn't know how afraid I was of you, of me, or of yourself. Of what was happening between us. Sometimes I'm still afraid of it. It makes me feel... I know, said Damon. I feel it too. So... <laughs> I really liked that because... Like, it, the easy thing for Picard to do would be to just, like, make it some fluffy fanfic that doesn't hold the same weight that the trilogy has. Whereas it's very clear that the consequences of their actions in the trilogy are all here still. And it's just very unfiltered in that way. And I really liked that because, again, the easy thing to do would not to be to do that. Because at the end of the day, you really can't brush the traumatic things under the rug. The Adventures of Charles the Verician Cloth Merchant. What a road trip this was. <laughs> this was just pure fun for me. And it really tapped into, like, Picard's style of comedy that I enjoy. And it's just so playful and fun. And not only that, we're following Charles, my boy. <laughs> but this also introduces the state of the nations after the events of King's Rising. A year ago, he would have been carrying fine linens or white cotton, but the joint court of the Akhelan king and the Varetian prince was creating a burgeoning market for new styles. In via, the addition of short capes pinned to the shoulder a la Akhelos had meant a rise in demand for silks and heavy velvets. And while in Akhelos there was still very little desire for sleeves, there was a new interest in patterned borders, coloured cloaks and techniques of Varetian dyeing. Well supplied for these daring new fashions, Charles anticipated a very profitable trip where he would sail to the Kairos of Aegina and arrive in Malas in time for the Ascension. Laurent's having his Ascension in Malas because him and Damon are in love! <laughs> oh, it's beautiful to see! Also, also, the fact that Charles only remembers Jazar and Dord. But in disguise! Laurent shows up with a wagon with Lamen, his assistant, and it's so adorable how Charles reacts. He's like, Your Highness! <laughs> Quite overwhelmed, Charles began to bow. The merchant, who was not a merchant, was leaping forward from the wagons. He cut off Charles's bow with a gesture for discretion. They are a most noble orange, said Charles. They're yours. I transferred your merchandise along with your effects. Consider it my thanks for all you did for me in Melos. The point is, Charles is just... is always helpful wherever he is. But poor Charles is in for a challenge because... he has a rival Varetian cloth merchant that is trying to beat his game and Laurent and Damon are going to help him. His name is Macon, said the prince, padding in from the dining several hours later. He had a nervated look that subtly relaxed his posture and a glitter in his eyes from an evening of entertainments. He's an Achaelan trying to establish trade routes through to Petras, born in Isthma, heir to a reputable trading company. 
a brunette. Nice eyes, not as nice as mine. He's 35 and handsome and unmarried, and I'm afraid he's had terribly unflattering things to say about you, Charles. You do have nice eyes, said the man. Did you miss me? I brought you something. The prince tossed a sweetmeat to the man who caught it with a hint of amusement. Ah! <laughs> but this guy, Macon, is actually human trafficking. So that is their secret mission all along. But obviously they go to the tavern. There's a brawl that breaks out and Laurent is hiding behind a table with a goose throwing olives as a defense. And of course they meet Alexon who is actually a secret royal in disguise. And apparently Laurent also hit Nakielon with a chunk of lamb. <laughs> oh my god, I love the spontaneousness of it. And then they once they escape from the tavern, they're out camping in the woods somewhere. And it's Lamen and Laurent's job to skin a rabbit, but the rabbits were on the ground except for the one that Lemen was holding by the leg, gingerly. The prince was wiping his eyes, laughing. If we just knew which end to start with, Lemen said. It was quite obvious that Lemen had no idea what to do. With a clear moment of insight, Charles saw that Lemen was not a cloth merchant's assistant. He was the prince's private companion and had no real skills whatsoever. <laughs> oh, Charles. You are adorable. <laughs> I'm just going to read out a couple lines of dialogue that really hit me. And how is it that you fight for Veritians, said Alexon to Damianos, to Lamen. Charles found himself curious to hear his answer, but Lamen said only, I came to know one of them. And then, of course, this conversation. Damianos is a great king, said Charles. You should trust in him. We trust in our prince. Do you think they're doing it? said Alexon. Charles coughed on his wine. I beg your pardon? The king and the prince Laurent. Do you think they're doing it? Well, it's not for me to say. Charles avoided looking at the prince. I think they are, said Goulamé. Charles met the prince of Vere once. He said he was so beautiful that if he were a pet, he'd spark a bidding war the likes of which no one has ever seen. I meant in an honourable way, Charles said quickly, trying to save face. And everyone in Akiela speaks of the virility of Damianos, continued Gourmet. I don't think it should follow that, Charles began. My cousin told me, said Alexon proudly, he met a man who had once been a famous gladiator from Isthma. He lasted only two minutes in the arena with Damianos, but afterwards Damianos had him in his chamber for six hours. Damon, being the master of espionage, has had enough. He's like, if we're speaking, we're speaking facts. <laughs> Seven hours, said the man, frowning slightly. He's still the same in that way, which I love. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> you don't drink wine, said the man. It was a special occasion, said the prince. Should I be glad you aren't concerning a trade empire, said Lemen. We'll make another kind of empire, said the prince. Oh, and then um, later on in the chapter, Charles has to impart some wisdom onto Lemen because he sees that Lemen wants to um, climb the social ladder and be with the prince, but he is Lemen, a merchant's assistant. So how can he do that? I am 40 this year. 
It's not so old, but it's old enough to have seen my way around this world. I've seen the way you are with him. A small, rueful smile as Lament turned his warm eyes on Charles. Is it so obvious? <laughs> yes. Hello. You've chosen a difficult path. Here's the Prince of Beer, tied in alliance to the Achaean king. Charles, said Lament. I'd work my whole life to be worthy of him. Uh, I just want someone to say that to me. <laughs> That's all. My favourite line? Long live the king. Long live Laurent of Vere. We made it, guys! We fucking survived! <laughs> king Laurent was dressed in gold, his head crowned in gold, his clothes of ivory and silk and gold. A young king resplendent, so bright the eyes overbrimmed just to look at him. Your Majesty, Charles said, bowing low. Charles, said his king, there is someone I want you to meet. As Charles rose from his bow, another very great figure was coming towards him. Damianos of Archaeolos, said Laurent. And then Charles says, Lemin, in a shocked voice, why are you dressed up like the king? My poor Charles. He, it's just too much for him. Now, on my third read of these short stories, I'm quite excited to talk about Pet because Pet was actually the story I was probably least excited about when I first heard of these short stories because it's about Ansel. But this really shows the crux of why I love Picard's writing. We will get into that. <laughs> but the iconic first line, which hooks us instantly, Ansel was a virgin the first 12 times he had sex. Like, that is a contradiction in itself, but it's so good. This story of Pet, it really um, fixes up the messes of the Veritian court. Like, I didn't know, well, no one knows when they first read it, but you really don't understand how the Veritian court came to have the pet system or the... Um, the ring fights, the ring fights, because it's just not explained. It's just there <laughs> and is an accepted norm. But this shows, I will show you the part where it shows it. The scene that really explained this aspect for me was when um, Baranga and Ansel are about to go to the court of Veer and Ansel's so excited, but Baranga's like, no, you don't understand. It's fucked up. <laughs> but Ansel's like, I've seen pets fucking before. I'm a pet, remember? I'll cover your eyes if you're shocked. No, I meant that the court has changed, said Baringa, shaking his head. Since the king died, the regent's influence, you worry too much, said Ansel. So it goes to show that it's the fucking regent, once again. Because I always, that's the one thing I was very iffy, iffy about um, with the books, because I was like, I don't see... Auguste putting up with baby Laurent being in that atmosphere of the ring fights, but it's the regent who brought those in, so that really explains a lot. Back to what I meant about the crux of why I love Picard's writing is someone like Ansel, who I did not care for in the books when I first read them because he's really only present for that one scene as a plot device 
and that's really all you see of him. But in this short story, he's given his own backstory and like something human in me just, (laughs) I don't know why he does what he does, right? The whole point is people don't wake up one day and say, yes, I'm going to do bad things. He's really just trying to survive. It's the same thing with Laurent, Aymeric, and the Kays. They all act horrible because survival. (laughs) Something human in me just connects with that. And I really like it because it, it just... Things aren't so black and white. And it makes the characters more complex to me. And I want to know... I want to read about them. Like, I think Ansel can have his own novel with this chapter because it's so good at building his character and I really loved his relationship with Baringa because that was a whole different dynamic. But yeah, Picard makes me care about characters that I initially would not have cared about and she grounds it in such believability. But I'm going to read out some parts that I liked that just showed um, Ansel's character and his dynamic with Baringa. Well, I'm going to need a lot more jewels, said Ansel, his annoyance returning with a snap. I know you like boring young men in cotton shirts, but I can't wander around the palace looking like this. Baringa was staring at him, like Ansel was a stranger he was meeting for the first time. Ansel lifted his chin. What? I intended to make the most of our time at court. I am incredibly good at my chosen profession. Not that you'd know that. It's possible. I didn't realise how good until now. Berenka was still gazing at him with that new look in his eyes. After a long moment, Do you even like horses? I can't read, said Ansel. I see. (laughs) Again, I like that slow kind of reveal for Berenka because he is kind of um, analysing what Ansel does and how he acts and who he truly is because obviously Ansel puts up this front of I'm the best at what I do being this whole sensual will climb the ranks do whatever the hell I need to to survive kind of guy but he also has this front where he doesn't people don't know what he actually likes you know like he doesn't enjoy the sex that he gives basically so and Baranga but Baranga knocks that down and he's like oh shit (laughs) I know how to I know how to get to you. <laughs> and of course, we go back to that scene of Ansel, Damon, and Laurent. But you really see the build-up towards Ansel choosing to do that. And though I don't like it, it contextualises why he has done it. And this is one part of that scene. Ansel thought of the impossible. For pets, it was epitomised by one man, the prince. The prince who had never taken a pet. The prince who had never taken anyone or been taken, so they said. They said he was frigid, that he had ice in his veins, that pets failed to interest him. But there was one person who had the prince's complete attention. So, you can see, like, how who Laurent is to Ansel, and it's like Laurent's a god. <laughs> but the only thing I didn't like was... The fact that it ended so abruptly just as Ansel and Varenga were having a moment. But their dynamic really reminds me of Pretty Woman, which it's all over all over Tumblr. <laughs> Those were all the short stories. The one thing I will say is that I do wish we had 
a Nikkei's point of view, because he played a part that we never saw behind the scenes of, and I would have loved to have seen Baby Laurent with Auguste, maybe not at my last, <laughs> that would just be too sad, but just like a completely different time of when Laurent was just a child and he was uh, following his big brother around the palace. I just want to see that. So I hope you guys enjoyed. This was quite different to the usual format that I do. I usually like to like talk about what happens in the stories, but I read this a little while back. <laughs> so sorry if I was not able to reiterate what happens as much. But if you guys didn't know, there's going to be Captive Prince merch. When? I have no idea. I might have said this in another video, so I'm sorry if you're hearing this for the thousandth time, but I have to spread it everywhere. Because um, I've signed up to Picard's newsletter, so if you want to find out when that's happening, she announces it there first and foremost. So, yeah. Thank you for watching, or thank you for listening, and I will talk to you guys later.